But it's good to see all of you today. Good to have you joining us online and out at Midlothian. Our, our worship pastor, Dale Wilbur, was out at our Midlothian crowd today and is with them. So we had Jordan uh, leading us here. And it's, so it's already been a great morning. You might be wondering why you haven't seen me with the pulpit. It's here to hold me up. Karen and I moved this week. Uh, we only moved 0.3 miles away from our house, but uh, I, I'm, I'm, I believe that whether you're moving 0.3 miles or 3,000 miles, it's the exact same amount of work. And uh, my only goal this morning was a sock, a spoon, and my keys. And uh, it, it took the whole morning to make those, those three things happen. But I actually kind of knew what was converging on me uh, this week. And so I, I called in some help. Uh, about a year ago when our leadership pipeline was present, making a presentation, uh, one of the speakers that morning that, that presented a little bit more of a, a sermonic fashion uh, was Rico Patterson. And uh, he had just a few minutes, but we had quite a few people say, I'd like to hear him for a little bit more than a few minutes. So I've asked Rico to come and, and speak today. And Rico, come on up. And we are continuing... Here's the funny thing. Nobody ever calls somebody to preach and says, and oh, by the way, I need you to cover the Antichrist. Uh, that probably has never happened in the history of guest preaching. But uh, I, I, we are staying on track with our, our series in Revelation. Rico's been a, a member here for about seven years now as uh, been a teacher in, a, in several classes, and so I know a lot of you have heard him. And uh, when you hear him, let me tell you a little bit about him. He graduated from Cornell and uh, is now an electrical engineer at DuPont. And within a few minutes of him preaching, you're going to think, that doesn't sound like an electrical engineer. Uh, so I'm not going to let him pretend like this. It's just some little side gig he's got. He actually has been a pastor and served as a pastor uh, at a church. And so he's very familiar uh, with the pulpit and uh, just a great blessing in the life of our church and uh, did take on the assignment of Revelation 13 and the, and the Antichrist. So Rico, have at it. <laughs> Y'all welcome him. Good morning, church. I want to thank Randy and the church for inviting me back. I guess, like I said, I preached in October, I think, of last year. And so I was invited back. That's, that's a good sign, I think. I think that's a good sign. Um, you know, Randy is saying, you know, I don't sound like an electrical engineer. Believe it or not. So I got my master's degree in electrical engineering at, at uh, Cornell. And I was telling the first service for... Six years, I never gave an oral presentation because I was terrified of public speaking, absolutely terrified of public speaking. So what I would do is I would look ahead of time and look at the classes, and if I knew you had to give an oral presentation, I would not take that class. So for six years, I got away with not having to give a single oral presentation. And then after I graduated, sometime after that, the Lord called me into the ministry. So the Lord, the Lord said, surprise. <laughs> and so now, here, so now here I am. But again, you know, again, I consider an honor and a privilege any time you get to preach the word. The Apostle Paul said, for though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is me if I preach not the gospel. So, you know, it's something that I don't, don't, don't take lightly. And as Randy said, when he asked me to preach on the Antichrist, I was like, wow. You know, I was, I was surprised, and yet I was excited at the same time. Surprised because, like I said, not very often you get to, you know, ask somebody to preach on the Antichrist because we don't really don't talk about that too often. 
But then I was excited because of the fact that, you know, and I hadn't told Randy this, but I've been studying the Antichrist on and off for years, maybe even decades. I know some of you are saying he's only 25 years old. How can it be decades? But (laughs) I'm a little bit older than that. So, you know, maybe about two decades on and off. And so, you know, I I believe it's a God thing. Amen? I truly believe it's it's a God thing. And I believe that the Lord wants me to share some of what he shared with me over the years. So let's go ahead and get started and, and see if we can get a, receive a word from the Lord. So we're going to be in the 13th chapter of Revelation. And we're going to look at the first 10 verses there. 13th chapter of Revelation. And we're going to look at the first 10 verses. And there it reads, And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, And upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard. And his feet were as the feet of a bear. And his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death. And his deadly wound was healed. And all the world wondered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon which gave power unto the beast. And they worshipped the beast saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. That's three and a half years. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear, let him hear. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Let us pray. Heavenly Fathers, again, Lord, that I just come to you, Lord, as humble as you know how, Lord, just... Thank you, Lord, for this blessed opportunity, Lord, as we prepare to deliver thy holy and thy most precious word. Again, Lord, as I stand here this morning, I just ask for the filling of your Holy Spirit upon me, Lord. And I ask and pray that the words that come forth from out of my mouth, Lord, that they would not be mine, Lord, but I ask and pray that they might be yours. For again, Lord, we are not here for form or fashion, Lord. We are not here to glorify ourselves, but we are here simply to lift up your name, that awesome, magnificent, precious, and just glorious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. So I ask right now, Lord Jesus, that you would strengthen me, Lord, that you would use me and help me to lift up your name. In Jesus Christ's precious and holy name we pray, amen. Our message for this morning is entitled, Don't Wait Till It's Too Late. Don't Wait Till It's Too Late. Now, at first glance, the descriptions given in this 13th chapter of Revelation might seem difficult to understand. And it's not surprising that many are afraid of this book after reading about a beast rising out of the sea with seven heads and ten horns. And it somehow has the body like a leopard, the feet like a bear, mouth like a lion, and a dragon gives it its power. It almost sounds like you're in a science fiction movie or something like that. And and it's enough to scare almost anyone. It's not surprising that many are afraid of this book. But believe it or not, if we compare Scripture with Scripture, 
It actually may not be as difficult to understand as one might first think. That's why the Lord said in Proverbs 25:2, it is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Therefore, as spiritual kings, let's take a closer look and see if we can get a better understanding of what these scriptures are referring to. Now, first of all, the beast described in our text is believed to have a dual meaning, and that it refers both to the Antichrist as well as his kingdom, the revived Roman Empire. In the first verse, when it talks about the ten horns, it's believed that's describing a ten-nation confederacy that will make up the Roman Empire. And then if you look at Revelation 17.10, many believe that the seven horns represent seven different kingdoms throughout Rome's history who have ruled the Roman Empire, with the last one being the Antichrist himself. And the beast described as a leopard, a bear, and a lion lets us know that the Antichrist's kingdom will have the same characteristics as the beastly kingdom Daniel dreamed about in the seventh chapter of Daniel. Now, we don't have time to go into depth and look at the seventh chapter of Daniel, but I encourage you to look at that in your own Bible study time. And if you look at Daniel's dream, you see that he saw, he dreamed about four beasts. And the angel told him each beast represented a different kingdom. The lion, we believe, represented the Babylonian Empire because it was the strongest of the worldly kingdoms, just as the lion is the king of the beast. The bear, it's believed, represents the Medo-Persian Empire because the Medo-Persian Empire had a massive army that consumed everything in its path, just like a large bear might do. And then the leopard, it's believed, represents the Grecian or the Greek Empire because it moved quickly and ferociously under Alexander the Great and quickly assuming control of the world. Therefore, this beast is an accurate description of the revived Roman Empire because it will have all of these same characteristics under the Antichrist in the last days. However, even though this beast is a kingdom, we also know this beast is an individual. Let's go to our Revelation, the 19th chapter, and the 20th verse. Revelation 19, 20. And it's on on your screen as well. Revelation 19, 20. And there it reads, And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. Thus we can see that this, this beast must also be an individual because he was cast into the lake of fire. And we believe this individual is none other than the Antichrist, who will rule over the revived Roman Empire during the tribulation period. And even though the world has no clue what's in store for this world, this will be a terrible, terrible, terrible time for all of mankind. As the scriptures tell us over and over again, Daniel 12:1 says that there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time. In other words, if you look at the history of mankind, what occurs during the tribulation period under the Antichrist will be what has never been experienced before. Matthew 24, 21, our Lord Jesus said, For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And the seventh verse of our text says, And it was given unto him to to make war with the saints and to overcome them, And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues 
and nation. In other words, the time is coming when the Lord will give temporary control of this world over to the Antichrist for a seven-year period. And when we see the various names and activities that describe the Antichrist in the Scriptures, those in the world should definitely be afraid of what the future holds for this world. But look at the Scriptures. We know Jesus is called the Christ. This one is called the Antichrist. Jesus is called the man of sorrows. The Antichrist is called the man of sin. In other words, he will be walking sin. Jesus is called the seed of the woman. The Antichrist is called the seed of the serpent. Jesus is called the lamb. This one in our text is called the beast. Jesus is called the holy one. This one is called the lawless one. Jesus is called the truth. The Antichrist is called the lie. Jesus is called the good shepherd. The Antichrist is called the idol or the good-for-nothing shepherd. Jesus came to do his father's will. The Antichrist will come to do his own will. Jesus came to save. The Antichrist will come to destroy. Jesus came from above. The Antichrist will ascend from the bottomless pit. And Jesus was received up to heaven, but the Antichrist will go down into hell. Thus, when we see how the Antichrist is described, and when we see how wicked and powerful he will be, we should have a fervent desire to share the gospel, as well as be 100% sure of our own salvation. Because the only way in which we can overcome him is if we submit ourselves to Jesus Christ. For the good news is that even though he will be given great power, he's still merely a tool in my father's hands. And in the end, he will be defeated. 2 Thessalonians 2.8 says that the Lord shall consume him with the spirit of his mouth and destroy him with the brightness of his coming. However, when the Antichrist does come for a brief period of time, no one in this world will be able to defeat him on their own. For the Antichrist is real, the Antichrist is powerful, the Antichrist is coming, and when he comes, the only way to overcome him is you must receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Therefore, we want to be absolutely sure that we do not wait until it's too late. Now, as we look at our text, we see several truths concerning the Antichrist that we can also learn from. So today, let's take a closer look to see what the Scriptures reveal about the reign of the Antichrist. So let's go again to Revelation, the 13th chapter, and let's look at verses uh, 3 through 7 there. Revelation, the 13th chapter, verses 3 through 7. And there it reads, And I saw one of his heads, as it were, wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God, to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations." So the first thing we want to look at is the power of the Antichrist, the power of the Antichrist. Now, again, our text reveals that during the tribulation period, 
the Antichrist will be given great power such that he will rule this world for a period of time. For some time after the church is raptured, he will be given control of this world for seven years. And note, this occurs after the rapture, after the catching up of the saints. So if we've already received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we don't need to personally worry about the reign of the Antichrist. Isn't that good news? Amen. Amen. Because either through the rapture or through death, we will already be in heaven when the Antichrist comes to power. In addition, 2 Thessalonians tells us that the Antichrist won't be revealed until after the rapture. And that's why there's no need to try to guess who he might be. We often hear people say, I think he's that person, or I think he's that person. Well, the scripture says he will not be revealed until after the rapture. So on this side of the rapture, there's no need to try to guess who he might be. However, when he does come to power, for the first three and a half years, he will be a man of peace, and he will have this world deceived. He will sign a seven-year covenant with Israel, whereby he guarantees them their protection, and I believe that he will even allow them to rebuild their temple. But then in the middle of that seven-year period, he will show his true colors. He will turn on Israel, he will turn on the world, and all who refuse to worship him, he will demand that they be killed. That's why our Lord Jesus said in John 5, 43, I am come in my Father's name, and you receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him ye will receive. And that's exactly what Israel and the world will do. They rejected Jesus Christ, but they will accept the Antichrist. And what many don't realize is that the name Antichrist actually has a double meaning to it. For it means one who is against Christ, but it also means one instead of Christ. And the Antichrist will be so good at imitating Christ that he will be received by many instead of Jesus Christ himself. And that should not surprise us. Because did you know that even now, Satan is a master imitator of God? Think about it. We saw several weeks ago in the seventh chapter of Revelation that God will seal his servants in their foreheads. So what does Satan do? He marks his service with 666 in their foreheads. Christ is called the light of the world. What's it say in 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter? Satan disguised himself as an angel of light. Christ is called the lion of the tribe of Judah. What does it say in Peter? Satan is called a roaring lion. And there's a holy trinity in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. There's also an evil trinity in Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. Thus, we can see in almost everything, Satan tries to imitate God. Therefore, I believe just as Christ was a man, yet more than a man, I believe the Antichrist will also be a man, yet more than a man, because he will be indwelt by Satan himself, and he will be this world's superman. He will be the perfect hero whom the world is looking for today. You think about it, everybody's looking for a hero. Everybody's looking for who has the answers. Who can solve the world's problems? Who can solve the problems that I'm going through today? Well, the Antichrist is going to come, and he's going to look like he's going to solve the world's problems. In the fourth verse of our text, it says that they worship the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. And what that means is that he's going to receive power from the dragon, Satan himself. And that's why he's going to be able to deceive this world. He will be an intellectual genius. Daniel 7.20 says that he was a horn that had eyes. 
and that speaks of his great intelligence. He would be an oratorical genius. The fifth verse in our text says that he had a mouth that speaketh great things. And what that means is that his ability to speak will be unparalleled. He will be a political genius. Daniel 11.21 says that he shall come in peaceably and obtain the kingdom by flatteries. He will be a business genius. Daniel 8.25 says that through his policy, also he shall cause craft. And that means business by deceitful practices to prosper in his hands. He will be a military genius. Revelation 6.2 says that he went forth conquering and to conquer. And he will be a religious genius because all the world will worship him. And in 2 Thessalonians it says that he will even claim to be God. And that's why the world will be fooled by the Antichrist. He will be this world's Superman. He will have all the answers. And he will appear to be what this world is looking for. But then in the middle of the tribulation period, he's going to reveal his true colors. And no one will be able to fight against him. And then to top it all off, in the 14th verse of this chapter, we didn't look at that. But in the 14th verse of this chapter, he will be killed by the sword. And it appears that God will even somehow allow Satan to raise him from the dead. And when this occurs, when it's, well, as it says in the third verse, his deadly wound is healed, then all the world will wonder after the beast. And they worship the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. And they worship the beast, saying, who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? Can you imagine if you kill him with the sword and then he comes back to life? Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? Thus, it will be a terrible, terrible, terrible time for this world when the Antichrist is in control. And if we choose to reject the Lord, we may have to endure the reign of the Antichrist. And that's something that none of us want to go through. And that's one of the reasons why God's salvation is not an option, but it is a necessity. For if we choose to ignore the Lord, if we choose to reject the Lord, we will be judged. And part of the judgment that's coming upon this world is the reign of the Antichrist. That's why Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 11, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Acts 17, 30, it says that God now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Our Lord Jesus said in John 10, 28, Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Church, we don't need to fear terrorists. We don't need to fear hurricanes. We don't need to fear the virus. And that's not to minimize the impact of those things, but in comparison... The one whom we need to fear is God himself. Amen? That's who we need to fear. For when we reject the son, we will be judged for our sin. And the only way God can forgive us of our sins is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Romans 5.9 says, Being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. That's what we've got to tell the world, that God will save, but only through the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why salvation cannot be found in politics. Salvation cannot be found in marches. Salvation cannot be found in money. Salvation cannot be found in education. But the only solution for this world is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. 
For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Therefore, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And this is the only way. For our Lord said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. This is what we have got to tell the world because the Antichrist is coming. Therefore, don't wait until it's too late. Amen? Amen. All right. All right. Let's, let's go on. Let's look at uh, the eighth verse of our text. Eighth verse of that 13th chapter. Eighth verse of that 13th chapter of Revelation. All right? And... There it reads, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So first of all, we saw the power of the Antichrist. The second thing we see is that God will protect his saints. Amen? God will protect his saints. Now this verse tells us that all of those whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life will end up worshiping the Antichrist. But if you think about it, that means the converse is also true. And those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life will be protected and will not worship the Antichrist. And this reminds us that even the Antichrist is under God's control. For the reality is the Lord will use the Antichrist to chastise Israel, to punish the world, to perform his will, For because men receive not the love of truth, he will send strong delusion so that they will believe the devil's lies. Because men and women had pleasure in unrighteousness, they will be deceived by the lawless one. Because Israel refused the blessed one who came in his father's name, they will receive one who comes in his own name. And that's why the Antichrist will be permitted to prosper for a season. And for a season... It will appear that he even has power over God. But when God has finished using him to perform his own will, the Antichrist will be defeated. Daniel 8.25 says that he shall stand up against the prince of princes, but it shall be, he shall be broken without hand. And what that, that, what that means is that no human intervention is necessary to defeat him. God simply has to speak the word and the Antichrist will be defeated. And that's why the good news is that even though verse 7 says that, that, that the Antichrist will overcome the saints, in other words, he will kill their physical bodies, there is nothing he can do to harm their souls. Let's, go, let's look at Revelation 24, the 20th chapter of Revelation and the fourth verse. Revelation 24. And there it reads, And I saw thrones. And they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. This lets us know that even during the tribulation period, God will protect and God will prevail. And did you know the same thing is true in our spiritual walk? The fiery darts that Satan throws at us cannot truly harm the child of God. 
That's why James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves, therefore, unto God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Jesus Christ is our rock. Jesus Christ is our fortress. Jesus Christ is our deliverer, whom we can always trust. He is our ark of safety. And just as Noah's ark protected Noah and his family from the danger of the flood, our ark of safety, Jesus Christ, protects us from all hurt, harm, and danger. And this can clearly be seen if you take a closer look at Noah's ark. For example, Noah's ark was safe and secure, for it was covered with pitch or tar to make it watertight. No water could get in to sink that ark. Well, in the same way, our salvation in Jesus Christ is safe and secure from the power of the Antichrist and any other power. No water can get in. Nothing can take our salvation away. John 10, 28, our Lord said, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. The word pitch in the Hebrew means atonement or covering. And our pitch is the blood of Jesus Christ. For we are atoned, we are covered, we are made safe and secure through his blood. Ephesians 1, 7 says, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. You think about Noah's ark. That ark was tossed up and down upon the waves of the flood, yet it was still preserved. Well, did you know in the same way we may be tossed up and down upon the rough waves of this world, but we have a guarantee that we will still be preserved. Jude 24 says, Now unto him that is able to keep us from falling, present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. And with the ark, there was only one door into the ark, only one way Noah and his family could get into safety. Well, in the same way, there's only one door into our ark of safety, Jesus Christ. And that door is Jesus Christ himself. John 10, 90 says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. Church, that's the difference between Christianity and all the false religions of this world. You name it, Islam, Mormonism, Jehovah Witnesses, Buddhism, Hinduism. They all teach that you're saved by your works, by the things that you do, by being good people. But that is not what the word of God says. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, for by grace, are you saved through faith? And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We must realize that we cannot save ourselves, but God himself, thanks be to God, God himself had to come down to save mankind. Amen? That's some good news, isn't it? And the only way we can be saved is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why going to church won't save you. Joining the church won't save you. Getting baptized won't save you. Singing in the choir won't save you. Being an usher won't save you. Being a good person won't save you. But you must receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Acts 4.12. Acts 4.12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Saved from death saved from hell, saved from sin, saved from the Antichrist. If you want to be saved, you must give your life to Jesus Christ. But don't wait till it's too late. Amen? Don't wait till it's too late. All right, last but not least, let's go to the ninth and 10th verses of our text, that 13th chapter of Revelation, verses 9 and 10. I'm getting ready to wrap it up here. Verses 9 and 10, 13th chapter of Revelation. 
And there it reads, if any man have an ear, let him hear. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. So first of all, we saw the power of the Antichrist. Secondly, we saw that God will protect his saints. Third, we see the urgency of salvation. The urgency of salvation. Now the 10th verse in the Holman Christian Standard Bible says, if anyone is destined for captivity, into captivity he goes. If anyone is to be killed with a sword, with a sword he will be killed. This demands the perseverance and faith of the saints. In other words, when the Antichrist comes to power, there is nothing that anyone, not even the saints, can do to protect their physical bodies. Therefore, this period of time will require perseverance and faith of the saints because many of them will be killed. Now, as we've already mentioned, the good news is that those of us who have already received Christ as our Savior, we won't be here because either through death or through the rapture, thanks be to God, we will already be in glory. However, we all know many who have not received Christ as their Savior. We have family members. We have neighbors. We have co-workers. We have friends who have not received Christ as their Savior. And when we, as children of God, come to understand that the Antichrist is coming, when we, as children of God, look at the Scriptures and see what's in store for this world, when we as children of God, realize that the world is in complete ignorance of what lies ahead, this should be a time when we diligently share the gospel with the world and let them know the good news of Jesus Christ. We should feel compelled to blow the trumpet and sound the alarm because we don't want anyone to have to go through what God's word says is coming upon this world. In the Old Testament, When the trumpet was sounded, that was a call to action for the nation of Israel. It was an indication that the Israelites were to listen, that they were to pay attention, and that they were to follow the direction of the Lord. Well, in the same way, we have been called to blow the trumpet, with the sound being nothing but the word of God. Isaiah 58, 1 says, cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. In other words, we cannot dilute God's word. We cannot sugarcoat God's word. We cannot compromise God's word. But we must preach what thus saith the Lord. And if we don't, the word of God says that we will be held accountable. As the Lord Lord commissioned Ezekiel in the 33rd chapter of Ezekiel. Let's look at that. 33rd chapter of Ezekiel. And that's a little bit past the middle of the Old Testament. If you go past Psalms and then Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, then Ezekiel. Ezekiel, the 33rd chapter, and let's look at the first six verses there. And there it reads, and you got it up on the screen as well. It says, again, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, speak to the children of thy people, and say unto them, When I bring the sword upon the land, if the people of the land take a man of their coast and set him for their watchmen, We're the watchmen, church, so we're the watchmen. If when he seeth the sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet and warn the people, then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet 
and taketh not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning. His blood shall be upon him, but he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. But if the watchman see the sword come and blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. Church, that's why it is now time to sound the alarm and let the world know of what lies ahead. If you take a closer look at the trumpets in the scriptures, we clearly see they point to the word of God. For in the book of Numbers, two trumpets were to be sounded. Well, in the same way, God has given the church two trumpets of the Old Testament and the New Testament. The trumpets were officially sounded only by the priests. Well, in the same way, only those who have been called by God have the right to officially proclaim his word. The trumpets were made out of silver, which is a picture of redemption. And the great theme in God's word is redemption through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the trumpets also had a distinct call that could easily be understood by those who were willing to listen. Well, in the same way, Christ said in the ninth verse of our text, if any man have an ear, let him hear. Therefore, whoever we are and wherever we are, we have got to share what thus saith the Lord. Even though we're living in a world that doesn't want to hear God's word. Even though we're living in a world that doesn't want to talk about sin. Even though we're living in a world that doesn't believe in hell. Even though we're living in a world where anything goes. That cannot stop us from preaching what thus saith the Lord. For we cannot preach only what people want to hear. We, we must be like Paul who said, I am not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. We must warn the world, as it says in Romans 1.18, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold or suppress the truth in unrighteousness. We must tell the world the time is coming when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Even though the world may not want to hear it, we cannot be afraid to tell the world what thus saith the Lord. As Paul said, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. That's what we've got to tell the world that the only way to avoid the wickedness of the Antichrist and what's going to occur in the last days is we have got to submit ourselves to Jesus Christ. If we submit ourselves to Jesus Christ, what did we say? We know we're already saved. John 10, 28, I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. If we give our life to Jesus Christ, we know we've got the victory. Paul said, but thanks be to God, which give us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. If we submit ourselves to Jesus Christ, you can make it through anything you might have to go through. What did David say in Psalms 34, 19? Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. And if we submit ourselves to Jesus Christ, the word of God tells us God has given us everything that we need. Do you believe that, church? The word of God says we've got everything that we need. What does this word say? I could do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Philippians 4:19. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. 
the 26th chapter of Isaiah says that thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. What our Lord Jesus say, John 14, 13, whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. 2 Corinthians 4, 17, our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more and exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Paul said in Romans 8, 18, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. Our Lord said, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. The Lord told Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee. Romans 8, 28, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. That's why the Lord wants us to tell the world we've got to believe in our Lord Jesus, trust in our Lord Jesus, submit to our Lord Jesus, and believe what God said in his word. Simply, we have got to receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and God will provide everything that we need. But don't wait until it's too late. Amen? Amen. Don't wait until it's too late. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your revelation, Lord, and what you have told us, Lord, and what's going to occur in the last days, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that uh, we would take note of that, Lord, and, and recognize, Lord, that there is much that's going to come upon this world, Lord. And, and we, as, as your spiritual watchmen, have been called to blow the trumpet and sound the alarm. I thank you, Lord, that if we've already received Christ as our Lord and Savior, we don't have to worry about the reign of the Antichrist. And because of that, Lord, we know that, 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 that we don't have to worry about any of those things, Lord, and we'll already be in glory when all of this takes place. But again, we have loved ones, family members, friends, coworkers, who we know have not received Christ as our Savior. And I just pray, Lord, that we would let them know that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Help us to boldly go forth telling all that the only answer, the only solution for this world is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We thank you and we love you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.